You know, this morning we're going to be talking about the fact that we need to, the title of the sermon is Staying on Mission. That's what we're going to be talking about, Staying on Mission. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for those young men and women. They could be singing all kinds of things, but they're here singing to you and for you and about you. And we praise God for that. You are in this room. You're right here, right now. You always are, but you're going to do something spectacular today. We could just sense it. Maybe there's one of us that will come to know you in a personal way. Maybe you're going to bring healing to a relationship and a marriage. Maybe you're going to finally move us through our fear and really be men and women of great faith and people will know of you and come to know you and their whole life and their families and generations will be changed because we're in this room today. And we really got about staying on your mission. I don't know what you're going to do, but I know that you'll do what you desire because we're asking you to forgive me and cleanse me of any sin and that you would fill me with your spirit so that you can speak to your people and we would not be just hearers of your word but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I want to remind you that, that we are actually celebrating the fact that Christ Church started 20 years ago. 20 years ago, this church started. And I am just, uh, in the next six weeks, if you will, or the six Sundays, including this morning, we will be celebrating our 20th anniversary by looking at a number of ministries here at Christ Church. And this morning, we're going to be celebrating the partnership in the gospel between Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation. I want you to know that we've been partnering in the gospel for 15 years. 15 years. And I'm so grateful, so thankful for the partnership because together we have been partnering in the gospel and together we've been faithful to communicate and demonstrate the gospel and God has been faithful to transform thousands of people's lives here in Sewickley as well as on the north side of Pittsburgh. And today I I want you to know because of our partnership, Urban Impact Foundation, has been also around 20 years. Do you know that? We're celebrating the 20 years of Christ Church, but we're also celebrating 20 years of Urban Impact Foundation. We both, yes. We both started, uh, the, the, both organizations were started in 1995, and God was doing some great things in that year, 95. And now here we are. And I want you to know, because of the partnership that we gathered together in, in 15 years ago, Today at Urban Impact Foundation, we are ministering to thousands of people, just among children and youth this past year. We touched over 1,500 kids, and 400 400 of them came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior this this past year. We served over 27,500 meals to those kids, and a number of you here at Christ Church made that happen, as well as a number of other organizations like Light of Life Ministries. And because we have gathered together and and many ministries are helping us to serve food, we've served almost 28,000 meals to those kids. You know, I hear people all the time telling me that the body of Christ isn't working together. They never work together. That's not true. 
At Urban Impact, we're working with hundreds of organizations and churches, especially us right here, the partnership between Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation. God is doing great things in the body of Christ. Just this past year, and actually the, next, the last eight years in a row, we have a program called Options that's helping kids graduate from high school and transition out of high school into life. And we help them go to college, trade schools, jobs, military, and ministry. There's a lot of work to be done in that particular program, but I'm thankful to say to you that every student that came to that program had the opportunity to graduate from high school and then transition. And I want you to know, for the last eight years, 97% of the kids who came to that program graduated from high school, and 95% of them went off either to a college, a trade school, got a job, went in the ministry, or the military. And I praise God for that. And all that is happening because we had a partnership together for these past 15 years. God has been faithful. As we've been faithful to communicate and demonstrate the gospel, God has been faithful to really impact thousands of people's lives over all these years for his glory and his honor. You know, when I think about that, I I just had to take the moment, take this moment, it would just be wrong, not to thank a number of different groups that have made that happen. I would like to ask that if you are part of the cafe, if you've been part of the cafe in any way, in the last few years or last 10 years or just recently, you've served in some capacity, would you please stand? Please stand. Don't be bashful now. Please stand. Yes, folks, thank you so much for all that you do. Keep standing. Keep standing. We're going to pray for you. But let me say this. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for these folks who have stood because of what they do and how they serve you. Christ Church, every Sunday, gets the opportunity to break bread together. They're creating an atmosphere of fellowship, a creating a loving atmosphere here at Christ Church. I've seen so many decisions made at those tables by they break, as they break bread. Prayers, encouragement, things that are going on in our body, and we thank you for them and how they serve. But as well as they're giving the opportunity to have fellowship for us as believers, but they're also giving and raising support, financial support, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forward on the north side of Pittsburgh. So I want to thank you and praise you for these folks. And I would ask that you would bless them and that you would keep them and you would continue to use them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, if you have given in any way, or you have served, you have volunteered on the north side at Urban Impact's, one of Urban Impact's programs, or you pray for Urban Impact, if you've done any one of those three things, you go, you go, you serve, you, you've given, you've given your, of money, and you're also praying, give, go, and pray. If you've done any one of those three things, would you please stand? Please stand, please, don't be bashful. Stand up, whether you give, go, pray, whatever you've done. Very good, thank you so much. Give God a hand and yourself a hand for all the work that he's been doing. Praise the Lord. Stay standing, I'm gonna pray for you. Father, I wanna thank you for each one in this room. Thank you that you are using their time, their talent, and their treasures to advance your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we'll continue to stay on the mission. We'll continue to see lives being changed and impacted. Lord, in this generation, it is, des- you, it is desperately needed that we stay on mission, that we give the opportunity for men and women to come to know you, that we give the opportunity for disciples to be made disciples so that your mission can go forward 
in a time in this generation. So I thank you for each one that's here. Bless them, keep them, give it back to them a hundredfold, and continue to use us as we stay on mission to communicate and demonstrate your gospel. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. But thank you as you're seated. Again, I'm so grateful for the partnership because as we've been faithful to the gospel, God has been faithful in changing people's lives. And I thank you for staying on the mission. But you know, as we try to stay on the mission, there's a temptation to get off that mission. There are temptations and distractions all the time trying to keep us from that mission. To communicate and demonstrate the gospel. Let me help you understand what I mean by that. To communicate and demonstrate. What I mean is this. That recently, probably in the last five or six years, there's been this great movement in the church called justice. And it's, it's exciting. And it's something that we need to keep cheerleading. But if we just do justice, if we're just doing good things, if we're trying to take those who are oppressed and bring them out of oppression, if we're going to try to help those who are naked and give them something to wear, if we're helping those who are hungry, give them something to eat, and so on. If we do the things that God has told us to do, and that is to demonstrate the gospel, and we need to continue again to continue to do that. But if that's all we do, and we do good things, but no one knows why we're good, then we're ultimately good for nothing. Hear me on this. It's good to do justice. It's good to do good things for people. But if they don't know why you're doing it, if you're trying to rescue somebody out of a dire situation and you help them, that's good. But that's temporary. If you, for example, if you teach somebody English or how to read, write, and do math, that's a good thing. And that's something that's going to impact their lives now. But if, you, if that's all you do, then you leave that person in their sin. And even though you've done a good thing, if you haven't told them why you rescued them, why you're trying to help them, and the reason is, is because you've been rescued by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's delivered you of your sin. And therefore, out of his love for that person, you're reaching down to them to help them because Jesus Christ has changed your life for all eternity. If you do not communicate that message while you're demonstrating the love of God, you leave them in their sin and they're lost for all eternity. But if you go and you serve and you love somebody and you help somebody and they ask you for the reason of your hope and you tell them that Jesus Christ loves them, died for them, was raised again for the dead, and they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're changed not just then, but forever and ever and ever because they've come to know Jesus Christ and their sin is removed and they have eternal life. So when I'm talking about communicating and demonstrating the gospel, I'm talking about Talking about the gospel and then living it out and fleshing it out every day by, yes, serving and helping people in the context of relationships. That's what we've been doing for 15 years on the north side of Pittsburgh. And lives have been changed. We're about making disciples who make disciples. Winning, building, equipping, multiplying, and then sending. That's what Jesus Christ did. And that's what we're doing, Pastor Jared and I, here at Christ Church and down on the north side of Pittsburgh. We're completing and doing the best that we can in our generation at our time to fulfill the mission that God gave to us. And I thank you. 
church. I thank you for staying on mission. But you know what? As we stay on mission, as I look back over the years, there have been many temptations and distractions trying to keep us from that mission, trying to divide the partnership between Urban Impact and Christ Church. Temptations to get us off track. And what we're going to learn today is that Jesus Christ was tempted. He was, people were trying to distract him from his mission. And I'm praying that we will learn from Jesus Christ so that we will not be distracted or tempted, but we will stay on the mission. We'll stay on it. And here's where we start. It's amazing. Jesus was very careful not to let anything derail him from the preaching of the gospel or from fulfilling the mission that the Father had given him to do. Look with me at verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place and the people were looking for him. When they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. They tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, as you look at that passage, it says, they tried to keep him from leaving. And Jesus said, no, I must go and preach the good news of the kingdom. And he went. The people were trying to keep him from what God the Father had given him to do. But he said, no, i got to go. i got to keep preaching the gospel. Jesus knew his mission. And his mission was to preach the good news. But the people were trying to distract him. And he didn't, allow, he didn't allow their desires or their will to keep him from what he knew that the Father had told him to do. And we need to be careful that people don't try to distract us and ex- exercise their desires and their wills and their agendas on us to keep us from doing what God called us to do. Amen. As a church and as an individual and as families. We're on a mission and we're all responsible. We have, the, we have the great privilege and responsibility to carry out this mission. And we're all responsible. Hear me on this. And I say this with all the love and grace and compassion I can say it to you. Look right here. I mean this. As a pastor, I've got to tell you this. Because it's going to happen. That you and I will stand before God. And he, we will have to give an account for what we did with our time, our money, in our gifts and he's going to ask you did you move did you do what you did you do what I asked you to do and what's he asking us to do to make disciples of all people to communicate and demonstrate the gospel to those who are lost all around us he's going to ask us that question and guess what you will be rewarded based on how well you finished that mission How well you used your time, your talents, and your treasures to advance his kingdom. Not our kingdom, not the world's agenda, but his mission. So as we think about this today, it is sobering but yet exciting. Because we have the opportunity in our generation to do it. And here we're finding in this situation, Jesus pushed on, he pressed on, and he kept on the mission. Thank God he did. But Jesus was not only distracted, but he was also tempted When you go up to the very beginning of chapter 4, you find Satan coming to him and trying to tempt him three times. He tempts him three times, but Satan loses, and Jesus 
just moves through those temptations and comes out pure. He's a victor in it all. But the purpose behind Satan, the ultimate purpose, is to keep Jesus from the cross. Because if he can keep Jesus from the cross, then we would have all been lost. But we know the end of that story. We know that Jesus pushed through, he kept on the mission, and he went to the cross, and he died, and he was raised again from the dead. And because he walks out of that grave, he gives all mankind, all of us, the opportunity to be forgiven of our sin and also to overcome death. So that we can know for certain that we have eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did for us. All people have that opportunity to repent of their sin and to believe because he's given, he's provided that for each and every one of us. But when Jesus comes, as he's coming, he's preaching, he's saying, I am, he's preaching salvation to the people. But then he completes it and then the apostle Paul later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, talks about the fact that he has already provided salvation. You see, Jesus was here in our passage talking about preaching the good news. He was looking forward to the cross. As I'm about to read what the Apostle Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul is looking back at the cross and he says that Jesus Christ has provided all that anybody needs to know for sure that they're forgiven of their sin and they have eternal life. This is what he says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. This gospel, you, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I, pr- I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. See here, the Apostle Paul is making it very clear. Salvation has been provided by whom? Jesus Christ. In our passage, Jesus is preaching about salvation, but later on in 1 Corinthians, I'm, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 19:10, he goes on and he says this, "For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost." He changes his mission statement. Here he was saying in our passage, "Hey, I'm preaching the good news. I'm preaching salvation." But later on he says, "You know what? I am the provision of salvation. I have come to seek and save that which is lost. And now we just heard the Apostle Paul say, it has been done. The provision has been made for all mankind. Anybody who is willing to repent of their sin and believe upon him, they shall be saved. It would be absolutely wrong for me not to give you an opportunity right now to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. There might be one or two of you in this room that for the first time you've understood what it means to come to know Jesus. You just heard that Jesus Christ has provided all that you need. That Jesus died on that cross for you. And when he died on that cross, he did it all for you. There's nothing more you need to add to it, nothing you need to subtract from it. Jesus died on that cross for your sin, and then he was raised again from the dead, and he walked out of that grave. And that means that you could be forgiven of your sin and also know that you do not have to fear death because the moment you come to Christ, in that moment, he has overcome death. He walked out of the grave, and just as he walked out of the grave, the Bible says this, from absent from the body, present with the Lord. The moment you die, you go right into the presence of God. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's what Jesus did for each and every one of us. He's provided 
for you the assurance of knowing that you're forgiven and that you have eternal life, that heaven will be your home. I would like you to ask, I would ask you to bow your heads for a moment, and as you bow your heads, I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to ask anybody in this room, you're sitting there, and for the first time you're saying, Pastor Ed, I'm ready, and I'm willing to pray this prayer. I want you to know the prayer doesn't save you, Jesus Christ does. But I want you to know this is the greatest decision of your life because once you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, once you say, I put my trust in Jesus, in that moment, you begin a relationship with him. And once you begin a relationship with him, your life's going to be changed forever. You're going to be guaranteed that heaven will be your home. He's going to walk with you, talk with you every day. And that, that God-shaped vacuum in the middle of you, that you feel guilt and fear and shame and emptiness and loneliness, at that point is going to be filled up with the person of Jesus Christ. And in its place, there's going to be a sense of joy, forgiveness, hope, and absolute relationship with him. If that's what you want, if that's what you've been looking for, it's, this is your day. Simply pray this prayer with me. This is your response to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life. But I believe you died and you rose from the grave to purchase a place in heaven for me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take control of my, my life. Forgive me of my sin and save me. I repent. I turn away from my way of life and I turn to you. And now I place my trust in you for my salvation and you alone. I receive the free gift of eternal life right now. And I thank you. Fill me with your spirit, Lord Jesus, that I will serve you the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer, would I ask you to do this for me? I would ask you to take any kind of a card that's in the pew, and I want you to write your name and your address on it, and I will be standing out in the middle of the sanctuary at the end of the service, and I want you to come up and just give me your card, and I promise I will pray for you all week long. Now everybody lift their heads, please. I want you to know that there's a number of people who came to know Christ last service. They laid their cards in my hands, and there are a number of you that asked Jesus Christ into your life today. If you did that, please, I'll be standing right down this hall, right down this aisle, at that exit sign. I'll be there. You come lay that card in my hand, and I promise I will pray for you all week long. Would you do that? I hope that you do. I want you to rejoice for a moment. Yes. Thank the Lord. He's doing great things in our midst. People are finding Christ. It's exciting. It's no, God is alive. He's doing great things in our midst, and we need to stay on our mission. Jesus said this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. We know he finished that mission. And once he finished it and completed it and died and was been raised again from the dead, he walked up to his disciples in John 20, 21, and this is what he said. He said, As the Father sent me, now I send you. Another way of saying that is, as the Father has given me a mission, now I give you the mission. And then before he ascended onto the right hand of the Father, he said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said this, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. And then as he ascended, the disciples waited. And they waited in the city of Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost in the upper room. And then they came out of that room, they went into the city, and Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel. And over 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ, and the, and the church really starts to move. 
And what we learn from all this is this. This was God's plan. His plan was to send his son, Jesus Christ. And then he was to send his spirit. And now he sends the church. The church in the first century, they went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. But then from generation to generation, the gospel has been passed on to our generation. And now it's our turn. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church, we need to stay on that mission. We need to make disciples who make disciples. We need to win, build, equip, multiply, and send. That's what we're doing. And that's what we've been doing for 15 years together. And that's why there's so many people who have come to Christ and who are living for God today. May that always be, but there always will be temptations to keep us from that mission. And I want you to know that one temptation that seems to really knock us out of the race is this temptation. If I've heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times. People coming to me and saying this, Pastor, God can use others, but he cannot use me. God can use others, but he can't Use me. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Ed, God can use you, but he can't use me. And when they say that, if I have the time, I'll say, you know what? I used to think the same way that you do. I used to think that God can use others and he can't use me. Can I tell you my story? And they say, sure, and here's my story. Many of you know my story. You know that I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My father was an atheist. And in those days, if I heard about Jesus, I mean, I must have heard about Jesus sometime. But to me, Jesus was something you said when you were mad. It was a swear word. I really, I really didn't understand who he was or what he had done for me till I got to college. And a young lady began to share with me about who Christ was. And that was the first time I began to understand. But my dream in life growing up was to play professional baseball. And I had, an injury kept me from that dream. But through that injury, I came, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And very quickly, God began to call me into ministry. And I ended up going to seminary when I was 24 years old. Now, I'd been in the faith for about two years, and there I am sitting in the seminary. And what did I do? I began to compare myself with everybody that was there. I mean, they knew so much more than I did. They had so much more talent, and I began to become very intimidated. I remember sitting in the classroom, and I had my paraphrase English Bible. And the guy on my left and guy on my right, they had not only an English Bible, they had a Hebrew Bible, they had a, they had a Greek Bible, and what's amazing is they knew how to read Greek, Hebrew, and English. I was just having a tough, tough time figuring out English, and it was tough. And I was a brand new believer. And I was really intimidated. Then some of my friends got up, and, and I'll never forget, this man began to sing, and he sang like an angel, like these kids who were up here tonight. And they really led, he really led worship. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, man, I can't even sing, let alone lead worship. And then another one of my friends got up and he, play, he played an instrument. Not just one, but a number of them. And I sat there and thought, man, I can't play an instrument, <laughs> let alone a number of them. And then another one of my friends got up and he began to preach. And man, this guy could, he could take the English language and do stuff with it that I couldn't even begin to dream about. He was so eloquent. He was able to communicate. And then I got up and I butchered the English language. I stuttered and I stammered. And then what did I do? I ended up going back into my dorm, sitting in my bed, and literally I lifted my hands before the Lord and I said, Lord, I thank you for what you, I thank you that you saved me. Believe me, I'm so thankful, so grateful. But I'm just a baseball player. I mean, God, you can use them, but you can't use me. 
And I was falling into the temptation just to pack up my bags and literally quit and go home. The next morning, the seminary came to me and they said, Ed, we'd like you to go to Dallas, Texas for us. Would you be willing to go? We want you to go down to this conference. It's called Sports and Evangelism, where you'll learn how to use sports to bring people to Christ. Would you like to go? And I was a seminary student that didn't have any money, and my first answer was, is it free? And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll pay for it. Oh, okay, I'll go. So I got on a plane and flew down to Dallas, and I walked into the conference, and there the keynote speakers begins to speak. And he was from a very large church in Boca Raton, Florida, and he was standing up there, and he began to preach, and then he began to give his testimony. And I tell you the truth, this is what he began to say. He said, growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and my dream was to play in the NFL. In the NFL. I wanted to play professional football. But growing up without Christ and having that as my dream, an injury ended that dream. And out of that injury, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I tell you the truth. I'm sitting there going like, this guy is telling my story. He said, then I went on, and as I came to know Christ, God quickly called me into the ministry, so I ended up going to the seminary. And while I was in the seminary, I began to compare myself with everyone else. And I got so discouraged that I ended up quitting and literally packed my bags, bought a ticket on the train, and started heading back home. And while he was on the train, there was this distinguished older gentleman sitting there, looking at him, and, he's, and, the, and the preacher said that the man looked at him and finally said, son, are you troubled? Are you discouraged about something? Distraught in any way? He said, yes, sir. He said, I'm a Christian, and I just quit seminary. And the older gentleman looked at him and said, well, can I ask you a question? I'm a Christian, too. I just want to know, why'd you quit seminary? Because I began to compare myself with all my friends, and they're so much more talented than I was. I began to believe that God can't use, use me. He can use everybody else, but he can't use me. And the older gentleman, who was much more wiser, looked at him and said, Son, can I ask you this? Can you serve God? And the preacher said, he looked at that older gentleman, and he said, Well, yeah, of course. I mean, all believers can serve God. Why do you ask that question? And the older gentleman looked at him and said, Because you and I are believers, and we're going to stand before God someday. And we're looking forward to him saying this to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then the man looked at him and said, can you serve God? And the preacher said, he got the message. That young man got the message. As soon as that train stopped, he got off that train, pulled his bags up, bought another ticket, headed back to seminary. And he said, now I'm serving the Lord and God is blessing me and I'm preaching the word of God. When I sat there and heard that story, I realized, you know what? I might not be the smartest. I might not be the most gifted. I might not be the most attractive. But I can serve God. Let me ask you this question. If you're sitting out there thinking, I'm just too old, I don't know enough, I don't have time, whatever it is that you're saying, God can't use you, he can. Because God is not looking for superstars. He's looking for servants. He's looking for people like you and me who are willing to surrender themselves to Jesus Christ and be obedient to what he's told us to do, and that is to stay on the mission. And if we'll stay on that mission, 
If we continue to live in a way that people begin to ask us for the reason of our hope, demonstrating the love of God, and then when they ask us, we're, we're there to communicate the gospel to those people in any way, shape, or form that we can, then we'll stay on that mission and God will use you in a mighty and powerful way. Because he isn't looking for superstars. He's looking for servants. People who are willing to be fat. Yeah, fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. You're willing to be faithful, available, and teachable. F-A-T. You're willing to do that. God will use you in a powerful way. He's just looking for people to be available. To surrender yourself. To allow the Spirit of God to work in and through your life. And serve Him. I want to give you an illustration today. Somebody I want to point out and recognize today because we're celebrating 15 years of a partnership. We're celebrating 20 years of Christ Church and 20 years at, at down at Urban Impact Foundation. And this particular couple played a, such a significant role and they were such servants that it is right for me to recognize them. They don't want me to. And, it, and all the glory and honor goes to God. But they, this couple is called Bob and Peep Shymantle. Bob and Peep Shymantle. I want to tell you a story of the time Bob started helping me at Urban Impact Foundation. He came down, he, he was serving, and I really needed him. And he, and he came to serve, and he, he, would, he would work 30, 40, 50 hours a week. We never paid him. He never got a salary from Urban Impact ever. Never got a salary. He just came down and served, retired, and came down to serve. And Pete was more than happy to let him go. They could have been traveling around to the Caribbean and hanging around, going here and there. But there they were on mission, staying on the north side, helping me start Urban Impact. You know that I've told you the story that I got sick and I was out of the ministry for nine months. And while I was out of the ministry for nine months, Bob stepped into, that, into the reins. He took the reins of the organization and began to lead that organization while I was gone. And then when I finally came back, after nine months, came back into the ministry, it was amazing. It was like I never left. I mean, the organization just kept on going, never missed a beat. But when I came back, it was like everybody began to look right to me, like I never left. Now, I've heard horror stories that when you go three months, you can lose your job. I've, I've, gone, I've heard about founders of ministries, they're gone within six months. I was gone for nine months thinking to myself, I didn't even know if I was going to have a job. I came back, it was like I never left. And I remember sitting in my office, in my chair, praying to God, saying, God, how's this happen? What's happening? And as I'm praying, one of the main people of our staff at that time, really committed, been there for many years, Connie DeVore walks into my office, walks up to me and said, Pastor, I've got to tell you something. I said, what's that? She goes, you know, you know Bob has been leading the organization. I said, oh, I know. He's done a great job. Oh, yeah, he has. But I want you to hear something. I said, what's that? She goes, I, he, would, he would sit at this table. And she pointed to this table in my office. And, I, and she said, I came in one day and I told Bob, you don't have to sit at this table. You can sit at the desk. You can sit in Pastor, Pastor Glover's chair because he's not here. Do your work there. And she said that Bob Shimanto looked at her and said, Connie, I'm here to serve. And you're here to serve. And we're going to be faithful to serve the Lord Jesus Christ until Pastor Ed comes home, comes back, and he can sit in that chair and fulfill the calling and purpose in his life. Until that time, you and I are to serve faithfully. And then Connie looked at me and said, I just thought you should know that, Pastor Ed. And I looked at Connie and I said, Connie, you have no idea. 
because I was praying. I was saying, God, how could it be? And I looked at Connie and I said this. It was to be because a godly man with a godly wife gave servant leadership to this organization. That's why. But the story doesn't end there. Because when I got back and I started, we started doing ministry again together, Bob and Pete joined this church and they were members of this church. And Bob arranged a, a luncheon for Bob, for, for Bob and John Guest and myself to meet. And in that lunch is when the partnership of Urban Impact Foundation began. And from that moment on, we've had a partnership for now 15 years. And hear me, thousands of people have come into the kingdom of God because of that little partnership, that little meeting. You know, God can use you. He can use you. He's not looking for superstars. He's just looking for people who are willing to walk in his spirit, do what he's asking them to do, and serve him. And I believe when Bob and Peep Shymantle stand before God, there will be thousands standing there because they were faithful, available, and teachable. I've started a new thing at Christ, at Christ Church or at Urban Impact Foundation. And Jared and I are going to come down and present this to Bob and Peep. And from now on at Urban Impact, once a year, we will choose one person and to receive the Bob Scheimantel Service Award. And every year we will pick somebody who gave their time, talent, and treasures so that the mission of Jesus Christ can go forward. And I want to honor the first award winner. <laughs> it's Bob and Pete Scheimantel. Bob and Pete, please stand. Let me pray for them. Father, we thank you for the two of them. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank them, Lord Jesus. Bless them, keep them, protect them. And as they have been an example to us, may we be an example to others. From one generation to another, old and young alike, may we pass down this kind of heritage to this congregation as well as down on the north side. For Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.